0: all right oh wait we got bo he had to go and now he's back let me bring him back yeah there he is Ayo. welcome back bo welcome back cotter i mean bo <laughs> i'm aging myself there even though i'm too young to have seen that show <laughs> <laughs> What? Hello and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security talking about news. And Ryan is back, so a round of applause for Ryan coming back. We missed you, sir. The stories for this week, we're gonna talk about Microsoft just breaking things. We're gonna talk about malware that runs while your phone is even off. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff about ransomware and different types of backdoors. What's old is new and what's new is old again. Um, The first story I would like to jump into, if you all don't mind, um, Microsoft patching breaks something. Um, Basically, Microsoft patched Tuesday. Uh, broke Active Directory authentication, not globally, but in a handful of different applications. And I basically wanted to bring this up because I really felt like we were doing very well in the realm of patches and groups getting comfortable with patches and patching and starting to trust patches. And this particular one broke Network Policy Server, Routing and Remote Access, Radius Extensible Authentication pro- Protocol, Protected Extensible Authentication Protocol, or PEEP. Or EPEEP. And once again, I mean, any organization that was hit by this and they were down for any like level of time, do you mm. think that organizations have wised up or do you think something like this is going to truly set us back? Just kind of opening that up for the group.
1: Well, I would say a lot of places I've seen have patch cycles, right, that are 30 days, 60 days, depending upon the environment, whether or not they're public sector or private sector or government. Depends on, or kind of depends on how, now I got somebody mowing out in front of my yard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Great I'm going to go on mute for have, a second yeah, but that, That's why I don't have neighbors I
2: mean okay so we can see authentication failures is that not just background noise like is <laughs> any, is, does anyone know of any AD environment where they aren't just triggering authentication errors all the time for some reason I mean I, I guess I don't know how bad it is like does it lock out accounts or whatever but I feel like authentication errors are just par for the course in most AD environments But
3: Yeah at this point it sounds like EAP
4: and PEEP are both well. I I know they're both utilized in uh, MS chap right? For the Wi-Fi, so the Wi-Fi is down, right? If right, uh, yeah, you know, Wi-Fi. Yeah, down but home. I
2: work from home. Does this affect me if I work at home?
3: It, it does though, because it radius as well. So I mean, a lot of the things. Uh, just to go off what you were saying, Corey. I mean, with your authentication like that, it, yes, you're going to see a certain number of like authentication failures. But usually, it, it's only if your authentication service is internet facing if it's radius it definitely is um because you have no reason to have internal radius i mean there's a couple but not many um well so yeah
5: the other question comes in is how fast did microsoft let everybody know compared to what people's patch cycles actually are we all know that nobody's really patching the day that those patches come out there any good security system is going to go ahead and test those patches out first
0: and in this situation, it looks like they caught it pretty quickly and they were able to resolve it relatively quickly. But, but like I said, even with all of this, like, I mean, you all know, I mean, you, all of you here work in security. Anytime anything you can blame on somebody else, like the systems teams and operations teams and just n- normal human nature is going to take advantage of that. And once again, my fear is that it's going to be pushing like a patch thing. Well, we aren't installing any patches <laughs> until they've been out and vetted for like 90 days. Oh, sure. And that's, that's just, that's my biggest thing is that we need to avoid that trap as I mean, much as
1: possible. That's what I was talking about. I've seen that quite frequently mm-hmm. where people held, have those long patch cycles because of that reason right they're they're not tested and so um a lot of organizations do that Mm -hmm.
3: of course if everyone delays their patching by two weeks then nobody will know if it's actually vetted by the time two weeks is done
1: (laughs) i hope they don't
2: patch because that that privilege elevation is super fun and easy to use so yeah Yeah. you gotta gotta uh,
1: weigh risk versus reward right is it public facing is it internal only? Can you only get it from certain network segments? Uh, but something that affects Active Directory authentication like this, um, probably yeah. you want to get patched pretty quick, but then you know, you're left in that, this, uh, and, this er- er- error gonna, where you can't log I'm gonna a, in. I'm going to be can. a
0: bit contrarian. Don't test patches. Just run them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, and I, I mean that. I mean that. Deep down in my heart. I'm not being facetious or anything because you don't. I mean, anybody that's like, we're going to test patches, you don't. There's literally mm-hmm. hundreds of patches coming from Microsoft, all of your different vendors, whether it's Cisco, whether it's Fortinet, whether it's your app layer, you 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 can't. You just can't. Like The idea of testing your patches, I believe, is bunk. And I, I'm willing to be wrong on that, but I just don't think that organizations do that, really. I think we need to normalize install patches when things mm-hmm. burn down Blame the damn vendor, not your. <laughs> idea.
4: Sure. Well, the other yeah, thing. I I've... really
6: haven't seen um, oh, people, people test patches. What's um, that, Serena? So, I really haven't seen people test patches or want to test patches. Um, from when I was working in TAC, I would be like, "Hey, this is like our gold." Standard. I mean, some, some vendors too, like Cisco, if you're looking at specific hardware equipment, they will have like a gold standard um, release and then they'll have the newer versions available. Most people will go with like the one that has a gold star. Um, yeah. But I don't see a lot of people that test patches or if I was like, hey, you need to update to this one because of this issue or a bug. People usually didn't give me that hard of a time about needing to test it out first or anything like that.
0: Yeah. And then we got Agile Dinosaur says, some of us don't have the luxury of just let it break things. You're already doing that. I mean, I I would be willing to push back Agile Dinosaur politely. Hit hey you. Um, (laughs) you You aren't testing everything. You are literally YOLOing your life in IT right now. All of us are, right? Microsoft installed like 150 patches on my Windows system. I didn't go through them. I don't want to go through them. I just want the damn things to work.
2: Well Scissor said they were critical, John, so you need to install yeah. them all.
0: Yeah. You need to install them all. I also I do like I do like Serena's gold star thing. We just need to put gold stars next to them and people are like these are good because it reminds me of kindergarten. I oh, know that. Right. I
2: do like that. I want to <laughs> install some gold star patches over like just yeah. normal ones.
0: No, no. <laughs> now on, I only install gold star. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Microsoft gold levels patch.
1: Well, we're yeah. going to need to know the mean time to fixing the fix. Mm, at Microsoft. New Yeah. yeah. yeah that's going to take a minute. You know, Janeth,
0: uh, Janeth Kumar said, how would you phrase don't test patches to business? <laughs> Example moves on patching trusticles. Uh, that, that's a good point, because I, I don't know if I can get in front of a board of directors and say, we're just going to install shit and see what happens, folks. Well, it's for expediency,
2: right, which is actually that okay. you could make an, an argument that due to the time it takes to test patches, we are vulnerable for that time and we should just send it and risk the breaking over being vulnerable for two weeks. Also, yeah. we have a red team coming up, and I don't
0: want them to get that local privilege <laughs> that, elevation. That gets people to move.
2: We have
6: a red team.
0: Before they start, the that's why thing- they push yeah. the testing off. Yeah. It's like we got to push off a couple of weeks. It's like why. Patch we have
5: yeah. patches yet. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I've actually seen is people use rings. So you'll have your IT department and a couple of people, key people in special departments, get patches pushed out immediately, and then as they show that they're okay, it just continues to blast yeah, them it, outward like that. It spreads like like a virus through the network. <laughs> Pretty much. I would yeah. I
2: I would also I mean, say that that that. Because of how patching works, when it breaks things, it breaks things in the extreme edge case that you probably weren't gonna test anyway. So on that one server that that has exposed radius, or that one, oh, we actually, on Wi-Fi in the office of some random office that no one ever tested, that's where it's gonna break stuff. Not like everywhere yeah i think I mean, it's
6: important to like evaluate and prioritize too so if there's something that's like this is 100 percent affecting our environment with the way that we have things set up then probably go ahead and do it right away if there's a security release that you're like this doesn't really impact us then maybe you wait a few days but you should maybe evaluate on tuesday when all those patches come out and then uh, go up with a plan there either patch yeah. immediately or take the week or take 14 days just depending on your environment because not everything's going to be applicable to you.
0: Yep. And by the way, shovel uh, Lee Joe just had a really cool article he shared. Um, we'll get that out to the to the to everybody. Uh, basically a Microsoft document talking about, you know, patching and update rings, which I think is pretty cool.
2: All right. Is that so like I got Ring another... 0.
0: Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, wait, wait. What? Wait. Excuse me. I think we have I think we have a weather update coming in. Yes, it's time for the weather everybody.
3: Yes, that's right here. Bud uh, Patches here with the exploit Weather on the Ones, brought to you by the Technical Debt Card. It's for every risk that you want to accept. So, moving through Monday, we have a pew-pew level of low with elevated chances of meetings. Lots of executives on LinkedIn over the weekend seeing those things coming out about patching, about Big Five about F5 Big IP, all those issues, and now they're finally coming to you with the problems you've known about for about a week. Moving into Tuesday, yet yeah, we're going to see the pew-pew stay low, but in this scenario, we've got a lot of spam, a lot of crypto bros, and DNS always an issue. So as you watch that Bitcoin happy line drop down, make sure you're checking in on your crypto bros to make sure that they're okay. Moving into the middle of the week, the Pew Pew map is up a little to medium. And again, it's Patch Wednesday. Patch, <laughs> patch, patch, patch your systems. SZA actually took that patch from Microsoft off of their critical patch list for government because, well, it was breaking. Everything Now, moving into Thursday, packets dropping everywhere. The pew-pew level is high. We've got a cost pressure front moving through the budget, asking why the security budget is so high, why new headcount is needed, and what we need to do to make sure that we are doing everything we can and yet not spending a penny doing it. Moving to Friday, that's right, the hackers have now slept, the criminals are back onto the market, and the pew-pew level is high. You've got point uh, proof of contact hail all through the environment. There's going to be escalations and on-call, so make sure you set your out-of-office uh, to away over the weekend unless you're on-call. And for those poor fools... I apologize. Your paid your duty. Be with you. Hey, Ian, that's me. I'm but patches Ian. with the B.I.H.S. AccuSploit certified. Thanks, bud. And
2: tonight at ten, can EDR do your taxes?
0: Bud, I do have a question. Yeah. If somebody, if if I'm looking forward through the rest of this week. What would be the best day for like a picnic or possibly blaming
3: IT security for all my problems? Oh, well, that's simple. Whatever day the intern starts. So whenever the interns come in and they officially get their access, that is the best day to take a picnic because anything that happens is clearly their fault. Oh,
0: fantastic. Thank you so much, Bud Patches, and we'll see you next week, sir. All right. (laughs) (laughs) speaking of the weather um so we've now got a news story uh attackers are targeting msps um fbi CISA, and nsa all coming together like voltron to warn us about attacks targeting msps and there's a couple of reasons why i think that this is interesting one with the attacker's perspective you get access to an msp you get access to all of their customers and that's just awesome and then the other reason why I think it's interesting is there's something like 30,000 MSPs in the United States, which is just mind-blowing. Most of these MSP attacks won't hit the front-page news. Do you think that this is just a, more of a target opportunity that, you know, they can go after them, or do you think that it's more systematic, where they're looking at it and saying this is a great way to start launching our attacks moving forward?
4: Is MSP security that bad? Is that what we're saying here? Like- oh sorry. Um... um
2: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, if you're coming from the outside, you're not cool anymore. I mean, that's not all the cool kids are going supply chain business Mm -hmm. partner attacks, right? So I feel like it's also we've seen like in the past success with it. So if I was going to copycat it, I would copycat as well and go for the MSP. I mean, you have a trusted potentially just a literal access path into the network, number one. Or worst case scenario, you have business email compromise. Hey, download this patch for your router and install it, and it's just like a malicious file, right? There's so many different vectors. You're coming Mm -hmm. from a place of trust and a place of like intended code execution. So that's that. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's super valuable.
0: And and I think that that intended code execution, I think, is key, right? Because literally, the stuff that MSPs are going to use. Our RMM tools, right? (laughs) So the attacker doesn't need to deploy anything in that environment. It's like Mm -hmm. already there.
1: I would use the MSP as my ransomware platform, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They issue a new patch. They're like, here's our new patch. Yeah. Here's our new patch. Here's our new update. No, it's wow. a da- it's dangerous for sure. I mean, with all that access, I mean, for any company that's got subsidiaries and things like that um, that have access into their network uh, should be thinking about this as well because um, it's not just MSPs. It's anybody who's got uh, a lot of access to a lot of data or a lot of other companies. We've seen smaller supply chain attacks hit what seemingly random places, and then we see things mm-hmm. like SolarWinds. Hit targeted areas, and then um, you know it could be could be uh, these MSPs
7: are next. And At the incentive, like you said, though, we
1: may we may not hear about it because of lawyers and stuff. So, I mean, well, another,
7: another thing to consider there too is the the configuration around how uh, like contractors and other MSPs authenticate. Because a lot of times the. Uh, the standards can be dropped for external contractors. Like we've done pen tests where we'll do like password sprays externally and spray a contractor account and the contractor account either doesn't have MFA or uh, there was a case where um, they had cert based auth for VPN and the cert was like in the, the contractor's email, you know, like they had an email. In the cert. <laughs> um, so that's another thing to think about too.
2: And, and the, the incentive to them is not to be secure or to like code Really, like, for example, every MSP's client should be isolated from the others, right? But that costs Mm -hmm. a lot of money to have individual Mm -hmm. segmented environments for each one. So they probably just were like, "Ah, what's a slash 24 between friends, right? (laughs) Um, So I feel like they might, uh, you know, they might be incentivized to share things that make them more vulnerable, potentially.
0: I can't remember if anybody on the webcast worked the, I, I know Joff was on the pen test where we were testing a company in Hong Kong. And we were scanning the inside of their internal network, and they gave us all of their ranges. And they said they had probably 300 total IP addresses. And it turned out that we found something like 7,000 live IP addresses. And a bunch of those IP addresses were in, like, Shanghai and Russia and Australia. And what it was was basically their MSP set all of their customers up on a flat network together. (laughs) And... The customer Perfect. asked us, they said, could you just exploit the systems and then let us know which ones are ours? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tell me when you find us. <laughs> <That> Where's Waldo <laughs> of MSPs? <laughs> that was also the same customer, by the way, that uh, we were trying to get. We sent them a box for Nessus and we asked them to give us the IP address. And um, they sent us this long thread that went back and forth between them and their MSP. And their MSP was like, these guys don't know what they're doing. And then finally... We gave them the instructions step by step. Power on the system, log into the system with a crash cart, enter this as the password for root, run ifconfig um, and give us the IP address or IP config. I can't remember if it was a Windows or a Linux host. And they came back and they're like, fine, here's the IP address 127.0.0.1. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nightmare. Dude, that, that was a nightmare. <laughs> no place like home. What's that? Yeah, there's no <laughs> place like home. As I know that there's somebody that's new to security that's like, what's 127.0.0.1? That's your local loopback interface. That's, that, <laughs> you always have that. What other ones do we got? You guys have any stories that you want to pick on?
2: I mean, I feel like we should have the <laughs> ransomware section sponsored by the official
4: ransomware region of Eastern
2: Europe.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, do we want to talk about uh,
4: Conti? Oh, and- sponsored by Conti. Well, hold, on, hold on, can we talk about the one um, that ransomware has gone
0: down? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a positive one.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this isn't all negative, right? Well, I mean, it is trending with the Bitcoin price, uh, right? Yeah.
4: That's, <laughs> the ransomware slowed down because Bitcoin is down. No, ransomware yeah. has gone down because sanctions, supposedly. Uh, well, sanctions aren't supposedly, but the, why it's gone down. Um, against Russia, are making life harder for attackers, right? So, um, yeah. So the Ukraine war and all the sanctions that it's caused with Russia and considering that the... Um, Ransomware pretty much comes out of mainly the, um, you know, ransomware district of Eastern Europe, which is uh, where <laughs> <District. laughs> way, way to PC it yes. in Ransomville. It's just <laughs> Ransomville. <laughs> um, that's where ransom comes from. So, you know, what do you guys think about this? I mean, ransomware is going down. Do you think it's just crypto or
1: is
0: it really the war? it's just crypto.
1: Attentions probably have been diverted. Yeah.
0: I uh, that's what I think. I, I think I think Steve nailed it. I don't think it's so much the sanctions and they're, they're locking everything down. Mm. I really think that the attention for Russian cyber um, attackers is on their own country right now. That's that's my. And we, although and the next saw... campaign,
2: the next campaign's is going to be like pay us in Big Macs. We don't have McDonald's anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we saw uh, who was the ransomware group that got arrested in Russia and then released. Um, there's actually a large number of them. Well, there was one recently, a major one, and I'm wondering if they were then basically hired, right? Are they now diverting their attention to this other stuff in the war versus <laughs> versus ransomware? ransomware? This is how you get this is how you get your job. You just got to pull enough ransomware heist. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, how yeah. <laughs> That's how they recruit. Yeah. That's gotcha. how they recruit. Yeah. What is China? Is how
3: quickly. That went to a business discussion well you see we've got a lot of ransomware to get out but uh mm-hmm. you know we've got a lot of resources bleeding can we outsource this can we <laughs> bring this <them> a- <laughs> <laughs> while we're busy with the big project oh yeah, oh, you, yeah. Talk
0: about, you talk about you talk about uh outsourcing it and that's literally mm-hmm. what china did like after barack obama went to china and said y'all cut out your uh cyber hacking they literally just started outsourcing it to third parties to do it for them. So that's not outside
5: of the realm of possibility. Well, here's another I question How many of these groups were actually combined Ukrainians and Russians, and now they're not speaking to each other and working together? Oh. Well, that's Conti,
2: because Conti, yeah. that's how all their stuff leaked, and all, you know, that mm-hmm. was, a,
3: you know. Yeah. That that made me snort. I I imagine this like office conflict where they're like, I'm just not going to close your Jira ticket. Well, you're not getting your credit. Yes, (laughs) that's literally, if you go
2: through the chats, that's actually what (laughs) happened.
0: I'm not paying you the commission we said we were going to pay you. Mm -mm. Mm. Can you imagine trying to be a manager of a team that was Russians and Ukrainians? Like. But guys, I know times are tough right now. But we got to stay professional. We got to
1: keep it together. <laughs> now <You laughs> got to get it. We literally
0: coldness. bombed my family village. How can I let that go? We don't talk about it. We put it in the employee handbook. We don't talk about religion. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about sexuality. Yeah, there's a we suggestion who too? This blameless <laughs> workplace here. I'm sorry, Since you're on, I've got to ask. Like you know, you've got to have a lot of people in your in your circle that know you steve and ralph are definitely in like the uh, crypto space do you have a ton of people that are like panicking right now because wasn't it coinbase i think they said if they go out of business they're literally taking everyone (laughs) (laughs)
7: yeah i mean anytime anytime you have like crazy volatility and market prices everyone's going to panic right um like we actually were talking about this last week on the CoinTech podcast about how like this is this is like, I don't know, like the eighth time or something or, you mm-hmm. know, 10th time that we've just watched like an epic crash happen. And it's it's kind of like we're numb to it at this point and it sucks, but it's yeah. kind of how it goes right now, you know? I, I
6: think I, it wasn't it like 2017, Bitcoin hit an all-time high of like 17,000 and yep, then it crashed 19, down yep. to like three, <laughs> three <laughs> and yep. like 3,000. So, so funny,
7: yeah, I was going to say, what's funny about that is like, so it hit 19, then we started the first episode of the mm-hmm. Points podcast, like right after that and so and then, uh, like the first like 10 episodes or all of it just crashing it's great yeah. <laughs> oh my god there's one yeah,
0: of me crying the whole episode no, I, I hate it i hate it on both sides because like i have people whenever it's going crazy and it's super high they're like oh can you tell me about you know currency and how it works and i'm like pulling out pens i'm like boy do i and i <laughs> sit there and i try to talk about how blockchain works and they're just like no, you idiot. I want to know how to buy Bitcoin. I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Tell them to, to buy US Terra or Terra USD. Oh, no. Then, no, no, no. And no, then no. they start freaking out, and they're like, now. It's like, okay, how the hell do I sell this for maximizing my profit? I'm like, I'm not your Bitcoin investor. I don't <laughs> care. Uh,
7: yeah, we had to, we had to say basically that. none of this is financial advice. Many times last episode, <laughs> <laughs> we're telling people to buy Terra and Luna, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which if you don't know, which like you're, so like yeah, most well, we of people explain. who are listening to this have no idea what we're talking about. But um, there's this thing called a stablecoin, uh, which is supposed to be pegged to like a U.S. dollar, basically. And this crazy event happened where they they did what's called a DPEG, where it's like you have a dollar that's supposed to be a dollar, but now it's like 99 cents, and it starts drifting down, 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 and now it's like worth like 10 cents. And <laughs> it's what's insane though is like it's supposed I to be backed by um, this this entity that's supposed to like basically like provide that liquid that funding behind it to actually make it worth a dollar, yeah. and they they put in like 3 billion dollars of bitcoin to try to back this and it just immediately like disappeared now they have like 300 bitcoins left which is like not even close you know
2: it's, it's called an algorithmic stablecoin which if that doesn't scare you then you should be scared uh, especially now that we've demonstrated that algorithms can break
4: breaking news breaking
0: news so what about wasn't there one called luna like, it was worth, like, billions, and That's then it the went to nothing. That's the same thing. That's exactly yeah, what he's thing. talking about, Yeah. basically. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that didn't work out well. Um... I don't know. I I just think it's interesting to see that. But I do wonder if the crash in it going down has a lot to do with the, like, are they actually pegged to ransomware? Like, as ransomware Mm -hmm. goes up, we're seeing cryptocurrency values be up higher if they go down. Because seriously, in financial markets, if you knock things off by 10 to 15%, you can cause a complete destabilization of a market. And I'm wondering if we're seeing, like, just even like a 10 or 15% dip in ransomware attacks is actually leading or contributing in a major way to well, this crash
7: so so the thing you have to understand is that not like at the end of the day they're still cashing out to usd right like they're they're probably tossing it through mixers they're still cashing out like all right they wanted five million dollars but they chose to use bitcoin as a payment method uh due to the ability to you know it's, it's hard to track right which it's still trackable um one of the things we talk about literally every week is these multi-million dollar hacks where they're passing it through um this mixer service called tornado cash um and a mixer is essentially like a way to uh throw thousands and thousands of different addresses at a single wallet and they all kind of get tumbled around in, in this single wallet so that it's very hard to track
0: like like uh like a dryer at a laundromat.
2: Yeah.
7: yeah, yeah. A laundromat <laughs> no, John,
2: see, it's, it's, it's more like if you went to a concert and said, everyone take a bag of $10,000. And then at the end, you just had everyone send you a Bitcoin transaction of ten thousand oh, dollars. I was going to say, dude,
0: Bhis sucks at capitalism, and we give free dinners, steak dinners on like you know, and dinners on the USS Midway. We don't suck that bad at
6: capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> your a
0: fifty dollar ticket, we'll give you a ten thousand dollars in cash. You just got to share it and give it back.
4: Oh, I will say, yeah.
2: some of the some of the ransomware groups might have a wee bit of a liquidity problem right now.
3: <laughs> like,
4: yeah, they might they're struggle- holding. If you,
3: yeah. yeah cuz I I I'm mean, imagining them all on on Wall Street bets with options open back with Bitcoin going. So, I'm leaving the planet. <laughs> I, I, I cannot do anything. But, but before I forget the whole thing about the 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 bags of money. I have a friend who tells a story all the time where they said, "Yeah, when Bitcoin started to get popular, Domino's did a whole thing where it was like, "Oh, you can buy a pizza in Bitcoin." And uh uh, yeah, he tells a story about buying a single pizza with 17 Bitcoin. Yep. Classic. It's like the world's
2: most exp- No, th- it was more. It, it might have been more yeah, than that, but 10,000 was
7: the first it was one. 000, yeah. That it, one. Yeah. It, it, yeah, so it, w-
2: it might have not it had been Domino's, but there is like the world's most expensive pizza, and the price changes a lot. And right now, it's looking like a pretty expensive pizza, but not like a Jeff Bezos pizza.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Not, a Jeff Bezos. I don't even want to know what the toppings would be. Let's leave that up to our audience, folks. What do you think would be on the Jeff Bezos pizza? <laughs> <laughs> going, Why did I do that? Right. I done that. That was a bad idea. Okay. Well, let's. I need to
6: with type it. on an anonymous account. In the chat.
0: <laughs> everyone's jumping over to every,
4: every, everyone's getting their their burner account right now to type these things. in I think thing. we need to disable
0: gifts right souls right now. The Amazon <laughs> <workers> <laughs> well, Souls. Souls.
3: It's <laughs> funny because I like, digital, like Ben app. and
0: Casey and Wade both typed in souls at the exact same <laughs> time. It's just what they went. They went Heartless. with. Yeah. Um, All right. So the next one I want to talk about is Conti picking on Costa Rica. And I find it weird that they're causing a tremendous amount of damage to the Costa Rican government and they're asking for 10 million and maybe that's less than that. Now I got a question. So whenever this first started happening, it was actually a couple of weeks ago and, and Bitcoin has gone down quite a bit so this, mm-hmm. does this mean that it's a better deal for Costa Rica now? Like if they yeah, hold and wait a hold. little bit longer?
1: get <laughs> a <laughs> discount. Well, did they ask for a specific amount of Bitcoin in Bitcoin, yeah, or did they, they, they ask for a specific amount million. of USD?
0: See, but that's the question. In the article, it just said 10 million. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's variable with the
1: cost of Bitcoin. Because they I can make out if they got paid now, and then the price goes up, then they're sitting on the beach probably doing- in Costa Rica.
2: Hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me they will not be leaving the ransomware region of Eastern Europe
1: anytime soon. Yes, welcome to the ransomware resort here in Costa Rica. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah we actually ransomed a resort and they just decided to close up shop, so we bought it. <laughs> like,
0: I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. It doesn't seem that like that much money. I know that that seems jaded, right. but for shutting down large sections of the government, it seems to me like paying it might be the best thing. Of course, I can kind of see Costa Ricans kind of being like F you. Um, we have no problem working this out on our own. Yeah, we don't
2: need the government anyway.
0: Yeah. In Costa Rica, I think they got rid of the military. I wanna say in like the fifties or in the sixties or seventies, I think. They got rid of their standing military. They might just be pushing Costa Rica like one step <laughs> further, mm-hmm. you know, getting rid of their government. And libertarians are all excited. They're like, oh, my God. Great. country!" Oh, no, government. the National
2: Meteorological Institute is hit. So Bud Patches is probably over there pushing buttons, oh. trying to get things turned back on. Yeah. Poor I, mean, you'd have
0: to, I can work with them. Get them set up.
6: There was one TikToker who was in the U S who moved to Costa Rica and like, he was super libertarian and all this stuff. I was like, you know, they have like socialized healthcare and stuff. There,
1: there right?
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: like,
0: my, my favorite uh, quote was libertarians are a lot like cats. They're absolutely convinced that they're fierce independence and they, they hold in contempt and completely are oblivious of the system that supports them.
3: If you haven't yep. had a chance, there's an old like video, and it's just do a Google search for, uh, was it, Liberia? No, not Liberia. It's, it's Libertarian Paradise, if you do a search for that. Oh, no. And it is hysterical. It's this couple going on a vacation, and they're like, wow, this is the nicest public beach I've ever been on. And they're like, did you say public beach? You mean this is uh, taxpayer-funded? And then they go like to somalia that was it it's somalia libertarian paradise and they're like the market's at work and i now have cholera (laughs) (laughs) so so good that's all i ever think of when that comes up i've got to be careful i I, that might be getting a little bit too political
0: maybe i don't know no libertarians
2: don't have a party john this is a two-party i
0: know i know and that's that's one of the things i love about them they're adorable that (laughs) way so
2: gary johnson or something. I don't know. He He's run like every year for the last 20 years. I don't know.
0: Let's move on. Um, the next one I want to talk about is the BPF backdoor. Ooh. I don't know if you heard about this. The BPF backdoor. Now, is BPF so little, like
2: the thing when you use IP tables that you use to filter things? Or is it yep, the Berkeley packet filter? And
0: yeah. then you can also use eBPF, which allows you to do more things hooking into the kernel. Um, that's super duper cool. So the cool thing about this backdoor is that it doesn't listen on a port. Um, And one of the articles that I read about it, they were like this brand new technique where the backdoor doesn't (laughs) communicate on any port. It basically rides as a parasite process on top of existing packets that come into the system. And they did a nice write-up of it, but it is kind of cool, right? So if you take over a web server... What you do is you basically tag your uh, TCP packets. So there's a little bit of data at the front of the packet, or you can give them all the exact same IP ID because IP ID is not really used all that much uh, because we don't have a lot of fragmentation happening um, on the internet. But there's a number of ways that you can tag your TCP IP packets. And if they come in with that tag, it throws it to the back door. The data goes into the back door. If it comes in and it doesn't have the tag, it forwards it on to the application so, um, so I read this and people were talking about it and, you know, there was some articles were like, this is incredible. We've never seen anything like this. And I was like, BS, I, I distinctly remember something like this years ago. And I couldn't remember the name of the back door. Um, I just couldn't, um, there was a backdoor that did this exact same thing for windows based systems. And, um, the uh, the name of the backdoor. As I'm researching and desperately trying to figure out what is the name of the backdoor, I was able to find it, and I finally found this article in Computer Networking, and it came out in 2008. Use the Hacker Defender rootkit or Hack Def. and it had this wonderful, helpful video, Hacker Defender rootkit by John Strand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow! It came out of left field. I know so, uh, so yeah. This uh, this basically is once again. <laughs> I am old, and I think that that's quickly what it's coming down to on this. But I like I like seeing stuff like this, guys I, I, or folks. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I love it whenever I see novel improvements in malware, novel improvements in attacks. And that's one of the things that's tough about doing the show is so much of the attacks are like, well, it's ransomware, runs application layer, and it basically like locks your computer. So -hmm. much of the malware is the exact same thing um, (laughs) that we've seen. And somebody saw John's desperately searching for (laughs) his own. (laughs) I did not write Hacker Defender. It was written by a gentleman by the name of Holy Father, uh, was the author back mm. in 2006.
4: Yeah, that, that's the pseudonym you had for a while then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> did you write Temple
0: OS, John? No, <laughs> no, actually, actually, my pseudonym years ago when I first got started was Next Gen Hacker 101 um, Oh, you showed me how to
2: do a Tracer T.
3: Yeah,
0: Tracer yeah. T, so you can see <laughs> the number of people logged into Google at any in, any given point. In, oh, wow. So, you-
3: uh, quite... Well, before the white cyber duck there, I... We all assume that the person who recorded that video was male model stranded <laughs> Yeah, Probably. it would
0: absolutely.
4: He
3: took Probably. over your Vimeo mm-hmm. like he's like I'm better <laughs> I need to got this. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have a
2: question for technical people. Uh, how how easy would this kind of IP packet messing with would be would that be easy to detect at like a network level? I assume. No
0: or no. No, it would actually be really hard. Um, and part of the reason why is the service sits. So imagine um, you would have to be able to differentiate between web traffic coming into the server and uh, like the web traffic that's going to the web service and then also what's going to the rootkit. And the way that the rootkit is actually, the rootkits are actually designed is the actual service that's grabbing those packets that have the tag on the front of them. Um, that's actually a hidden process. Um, so one of the ways that you can detect, God damn, I swear, it's like I'm teaching back in 2008 and there's a string in my back. One of the ways that you can do that is you can actually do some auditing of the application and see how much data is being sent and received to the application versus the total aggregate amount of data that's being sent and received on the network. That's really, really, really difficult um, to actually do that from a practical perspective. Uh, but even from a beaconing perspective, you can make your traffic blend right in and it looks just like HTTP. You uh, traffic- can even do get requests and you can put your stubs inside of the get requests as
1: well. Could you read those packets with deep packet inspection, something like that, to see those flags turned on?
0: Yes, no, maybe so. One, you could if you have full TLS, SSL, interception, but then mm-hmm. underneath it, you can still encode it even further, mm-hmm. uh, much like we do with a lot of our backdoors. We'll use TLS, but then there'll be encryption underneath it, so that makes it somewhat difficult. The other thing that's difficult with these types of rootkits that you start getting into, um, like more advanced rootkits, is you don't know where that tag is actually going to be, like what is the thing that's gonna trip it up. Um, sometimes, as I mentioned, you could use ID, and you might be able to see a consistent ID, or you could use something since most operating systems are randomizing the IDs. randomizing, you can set it up so your backdoor only uses certain IDs that were based on certain prime numbers. Or you could alter the window size, um, or you can use Mm -hmm. TCP options. There's a wide variety of different ways that you can set this up, because literally what you're doing is you're actually hooking into the TCP sockets on that system. And you're hijacking them, and you're having them watch for these flags, and you can literally put them any place that you want them to go. The other thing that was interesting about this one, though, talking about this specific backdoor is they use DGA for, you know, using the backdoor uh, for communication going outbound. They were using your standard DNS tunneling. Um, so the subdomain or the host portion of a domain was randomized, and you would see a large number of, like, unique subdomains. And a tool that can detect that, by the way, is Ooh. Rita. I um, you just had oh, two
1: of those questions on the old chat there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Bob,
0: you can actually detect it with Rita on the DNS tab uh, in Rita as well. So.
4: so fun fact: so, This back door has also been written for Solaris Spark, which I think is kind of interesting. they were like Once again, yeah. old, people,
3: yeah. old people, <laughs> old dudes doing
1: old dude stuff. Yeah, like, I'm like, they yeah. can't fire oh, me. I'm gonna work always work. have access to this. Always <laughs> <be around>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: gonna patch it. Pop. I'm gonna patch it and install vi the second I get back in.
3: <laughs> <laughs> John, I do have to ask though. Now, how many? By show of hands, how many people, based on John's string in the back thing, want me to make? Uh, a woody doll uh, that you pull with John's face. It's like, I you want pull that. the. Screen. As, as yeah.
0: soon as you guys can tell that I'm reading off of a slide from a decade ago and I'm just like yeah. going into
3: it, <laughs> what well, yes, would like, be his catchphrase? So yeah. so, like, There's a C2 in my boot. Like, <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, I like yeah. it. I'm, I'm in. I, I think we can come up with some more catchphrases than that. Like, deep yeah. you know, packet inspection. Let me talk it.
0: about cyber threat intelligence and how much I hate it um so yeah
2: i woke up at three thirty a.m wait no sorry
0: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen that much although it happens way more than it should to be honest all right any other stories y'all like
2: i mean the college is straight up shutting down because they got yeah, ransomware i mean they couldn't take it anymore i know i know it's probably like a long story but it's just funny to be like well i'm done screw this <laughs>
5: <laughs> well to act it- <laughs> It really was. <laughs> ransomware was the last step in it all. Their, right. uh, yeah. their enrollment and everything had been going down for years. I had a couple of friends back in the day that actually went to that college. And it's just been, it's a nice small college, but as things have shifted, they weren't agile enough to shift with stuff and keep people interested in going into them
2: including Windows patches. Yes.
5: Yes. Is this the
1: one that tweeted out, oh my gosh, shut down your computer? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good tweet, though. Is this them or was that a different college? I think that's a different different
4: college. That's a different
2: college that got ransomware? So, okay, should we buy the rights to this college?
0: (laughs) I think this is is a perfect example of the University. university taking one for the team. Because when you have a large-scale story, they're like, F it, we're just going out of business. You know that all the ransomware people in Ransomwareville, they're totally like, Okay. Stay away from universities. Maybe, maybe they don't have as much money as we thought they did. Dude,
2: I'm sorry. It says we've survived many difficult and challenging times. The economic crisis of 1887. Everyone remembers that one. (laughs) A major campus fire in 1912. The Spanish flu, the great depression, World War II, 2008 global financial crisis. But this is different. Really, just patch, dude. Just patch your systems. It's not that different.
4: Well, obviously, they've been around a long time. They don't really understand computers too well. <laughs> They're
2: like, this is just like the War
3: of eighteen <laughs> twelve. No, but In all seriousness though. I-, I did support one of my first like real big pants <laughs> IT jobs was SunGuard Higher Education, and and this is back before they changed names. <laughs> but colleges and universities are notoriously difficult to secure especially okay. research schools because you've got all the different colleges have their own grant money and budgets and so they've all got their own shadow IT, their own this it's not even shadow IT, it's grant money <laughs> and they <laughs> need to yeah. talk to all the other stuff all right. and you've got people actually studying in that field and also scientific machines in some cases that can only work on like os2 warp but it's a it's a million dollar electron microscope so we're going to keep os2 warp It's it's terrible. So I actually feel kind of bad for that school if they were struggling and Mm -hmm. and trying to get there. And that was just... But the whole campus
2: burned down in 1912 and they survived that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) no, like, yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. Computers are... Higher ed is hard. BHIS has done a lot of higher ed. And it's always like... (sighs) (sighs) <sighs> okay here we go um but but i mean they survived a major campus fire like as much as ransomware is a big deal like it's not as big of a deal as like hey the dorm is on fire and there's people
6: yeah. like i don't know
3: what was their financial situation right at the time? I, yeah. yeah i i For think sure. that they
4: had a but, ransomware insurance policy and it you know maybe paid out i don't or know maybe it didn't. A I, that's
0: that's a i'm going point. with uh one of the, but it, but it goes back to that statement, right? I, I think that the big thing that we're taking issue is that statement. Here's a whole bunch of things that killed literally millions of people. <laughs> But Put ransomware, this, <laughs> ransomware, <laughs> I mean, finally did us in, right? Uh, uh, right,
2: yeah. It's got to be um, just an excuse. It's it, uh, to me, it feels like an excuse. Like it's like, well, you know, we were kind of lazy. You know, we didn't really like do anything uh, back so.
0: then. We weren't. We were more competent than we are today. So. <laughs> By the way, Princess Marcia, Princess Marcia, Princess Marcia, we're talking about all those old things, and Princess Marcia said John Strand lived through all those things. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that is true. That is. <laughs> Sure, you are a vampire. He's lived over 2,000
1: years.
6: Yeah, we- <laughs> he's actually got slide decks from that war. Yeah,
2: so. he's, like, he's like, why the cyber implications of the
0: economic crisis of 1887? Called- Serena, they're called transparencies, thank you very
4: much. No, no, no. Oh. They were definitely etched in stone around that
3: time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, John, you used PowerPoint. You just stood on a stage and you went, this is how we're gonna do it.
0: Yeah, That's how we're PowerPoint. gonna do it. They also blamed covid so so there you go. At least they blamed. Uh, you know what? They took the
4: book and blamed everybody.
0: There you go. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Any other stories? That That was a good one. Now that I'm feeling <laughs> old, it's time <laughs> for me to go take a nap.
2: Blame Actually, ransomware, I guess, is the you know if, if you have a problem, just go ahead and blame
0: ransomware. Like, oh, do we need, need to mean, redo the song? Blame Canada. Blame, yeah.
1: Ransomware.
6: blame <laughs> ransomware.
4: Yeah. Can we talk about this one last one? So the sure. uh, the uh, Active Directory uh privilege escalation. Oh,
3: certified.
2: Well, yeah, that was the one I was saying. I hope no one patches because it's, it's super nice. <laughs> I, I used it to get DA on my current so, engagement.
4: All right, so this is another privilege escalation uh, vulnerability with uh, certificate or Microsoft or Microsoft Active Directory certificate or certificate uh, servers, right? And um, the exploit is kind of interesting, but in essence, you kind of like join a machine to the domain and all the other fun stuff. But it seems like the uh, Active Directory certificate services are really getting attacked recently. And they tend to always be the privilege escalation technique recently. You know, this got brought up not too long ago where everyone was like, hey, we should look over at this. And now it's just getting raked over the coals, right? I almost Um,
0: wonder, like, the original authors of things like Certificate Services, because a lot of these things haven't been updated. mm -hmm. They keep adding more stuff, right? But a lot of the code was written back in, like, I don't know, 99 or something like that. I wonder if the developers are a bunch of, like, old whitebeards. They're like, dear God, I hope the hackers never look at my code that I wrote in 2000. (laughs) And then this happens, they're like, they found us.
3: (laughs) They found us. (laughs) We're We're done. done. What happened with the XP code leak? They started looking through all the code, and it was like, oh, wait a minute. Nobody, well, nobody... Is running xp anymore yeah, uh, yeah. but that, it's like oh wait if that worked there what are the chances they reuse that code in 10. very and good mm-hmm. very good chances right yeah
0: right so, so
1: it- with this one basically what they're doing is they're updating a machine account to say that the dns hostname is that of the domain controller so you're basically saying hey i'm the domain controller it's my network now right Uh, it doesn't
2: check if the ldap name is unique so you can just set it the same ldap name as a dc on an arbitrary machine account if you have permissions Mm. to do that
1: you can do that by either adding a computer account or um updating one if you have system on it right
4: it's my domain controller and i want it now so one <laughs>
1: thing about this
2: that one thing about this is that if you do patch this but it's already been exploited the certificate is still valid right mm-hmm. unless you oh. roll it
0: so is oh. this like a is this a brand new group policy preference where <laughs> it's, yeah, right? added, it's like a forever day
2: kind of so if kind someone exploits of. this against you before uh you manage managed to patch and they do end up getting that certificate signed by the dc that's valid i think what is it five years or ten years by default it's a long time
4: a normal five years it needs to be five years at least Yeah. so
2: yeah. i i do i think if that happens make sure you roll your certificates in adcs and like you know
4: and then have all your systems check that certificate rev treat it
2: like a golden ticket yeah. basically
0: so yeah so one of my questions for the testers on this webcast right now is years ago an exploit coming out while i was testing was like a gift from god it was very rare for it to come out it seems to me like especially in privilege escalation and active directory these types of things come out a lot more than they did or am i just reading into that wrong
4: no you're right it seems like it recently over the last couple years we've been getting them like in like every couple months there's a new hot if you're if you're on an engagement right then you can you can grab and run with it and a lot of times that that uh, it'll be a privilege escalation like insta da kind of steal not well like, uh, a lot of them require
2: a lot of other steps and this is no true. exception a yeah, lot of like I'm... it's more complicated it's not like use mso8067 target <laughs> yes. 10, 10 yes. 1, 5 mm-hmm. run okay got my <laughs> shell like it's not it's more like i mean steve and ralph and i literally spent maybe a whole day getting on my client to work and then another maybe two days getting it to work on Steve's client. So like, and, and we're, I mean, obviously we're pretty dumb, but like, you know, it, it, there are a lot of preconditions. You have to be able to create a machine account. So we had to find an OU or we could create a machine account. You have to be able to set the password or this, or, oh, the, the host name resolution isn't working, and all that stuff. So they, I think they do come out a lot, but they also have all these like, I mean, go read through that blog post. It is a labyrinth of like, Active Directory Certificate Services has these attributes and these are checked uniquely, but these aren't checked uniquely. So you can just set these so it's like,
1: was I think the complexity, is,
2: the complexity is higher, but they are, like, I think these older code bases are getting raked over the coals, like Ralph well, said. I, like,
1: I think part of that is because of the awareness this community has been going through, right? There's more people coming into InfoSec, there's more people doing research, and a lot of this old stuff is just getting... We we see sometimes the some of the old exploits we used to use, or like John was saying, are getting renewed again because there's just more people, and sometimes that research is pretty obscure. So, but I think there's there's just a lot more people doing research in this field now, and it's helping to bring a lot of these issues to light. And, I just,
2: and like, like someone said in chat, the news does spread so fast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Patch Tuesday happens, then you have about a week where everyone publishes proof of concepts and then. And fake if you're not proof patched, of
1: concepts on GitHub. Right. And, yeah. uh, and
2: <laughs> yeah. if you're not patched after that.
1: Sucks I mean, you, to got, be you got
4: one week to test your patch if
3: that's what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And It'll, that's I like at the max. Yeah. 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 I mean, what's the shirts that are out there? Exploit Wednesday? It's Patch Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Exploit <laughs> Wednesday? <laughs> like, uh, <man>. POC Monday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So somebody you know, On that point, though, that I do want to mention is when I, at companies I've worked for, when we have an external pet uh, tester testing and they get one of those, you know, mana from heaven, like, oh, and I'm, I've done it. I always come back with, yeah, that's cool, but what else did you find? And people go, no, 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 like, you need to patch this. And I go, yeah, but that came out yesterday and inside of our own corporate policy, We have 30, 60, 90, 14 days, maybe 72 hours, whatever it is, and we might even have a critical vulnerability process going all the way back to what John said at the beginning, where we say, the juice is worth the squeeze here. This is so bad that breaking the machine that makes money is better than dealing with the incident, so we're just going to do it. But even all of that, I'd go I'd go back to the, the testers and say, thank you for the report. This is awesome. But did you find any other like technical debt or things see, like that? See, now, this get- I think sure. that's absolutely a valid
0: question. But the other kind of the other flip side of that coin yeah. is when something like this happens, almost all of our customers will go to our testers and be like, Steve, Corey, can you make this work on mm-hmm. our environment?
1: Right. (laughs) Well, I think we have to, like we've talked about in the past, assume compromise. So if you're going to do that, you need to assume that somebody is ready to use this the day it comes out, right? Oh, so, um, but I think it it matters what kind of test we're doing. uh, To to, depending upon how how much coverage we get, right? A pen test versus a red team. Um, So we didn't scan for vulnerabilities, right? I think you're you're absolutely right, though. If you're going to do this. we try not to go down rabbit holes right especially if you're trying to get coverage in the network so but but i mean again and you said something about policy and maybe that's a good point good time to re uh, evaluate uh policy right well so it's also about
2: the detection there's there two big points i want to call out one it's about detection right so maybe you can't patch it but let's work on it and make sure you can detect it at the very least. If we're on a live engagement and I say, hey, I just got DA with this new exploit, you haven't patched. And you're like, okay. And I'm like, okay, but did you detect it? Did you, can we build a detection for this request? Because Mm -hmm. ADCS is not a high traffic uh, item. So it shouldn't be that hard to detect this attack. And there's probably IOCs and all that stuff. Number one, so that's number one. Number two is DA, I mean, okay, so I got privilege elevation. That's not the report. The report is what can I do with DA? Can I pivot into sensitive business units that are supposed to be isolated? Can I access sensitive data? Can I get into security products or learning? Can I, like, that for me as a tester is more information than, or more valuable than like, oh, you got a, uh, yeah, we got DA. Okay, cool, piece Like that to me is like a pointless pen test report. Like start with DA and where do you go from there? That's what matters to me. But just two things I want to call out.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and don't, don't get me wrong. I wasn't trying to say that using exploits like that as they come out is wrong. Yeah, the attackers don't care that we've got a policy. <laughs> I'm just saying that well, it looks at a certain level of risk and mm-hmm. says, we cannot deploy that quickly, so it's great that you found that, and we're definitely going to patch it, but, you know, it, I, I like your point, though, Corey, is is really you pivot that to, and, and I do that as well. I say, well, what what... What could you do with it? Because it doesn't matter if it was this exploit or, you know, the next 10. doesn't matter. You know? Well,
1: in, so, in some of those cases, these things come out before the patches. So, okay, mm-hmm. um, we found it. We verified that it's there. Let's go back and look at the logs or look at previous his, previous stuff in the history to see if this has been utilized before, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's good. Yeah, it's absolutely good to test it. And like Corey said, pivot off on some detection. So. Thing. It
2: should be detectable uh, mm-hmm. immediately.
1: Even if it can't be
2: patched, you should be able to detect it.
3: Better to know you've been exploited than to not know. There were, um, there were two stories here that I liked, and, and they don't need a ton of discussion. They can almost be like uh, pointing out, but the, the, your soft mute button might not work. And, you know, it's like, go patch yourself. Everybody go get a physical mute button.
4: <laughs>
3: <Do that. laughs> and then we're talking about the, uh, the, 20, the, the money from the school. And yet the DOD was like, we accidentally paid $23 million. <laughs>
5: <laughs> what happened? So, I think they just don't
2: it.
3: like Zoom. They're just like,
4: no, nah, we're out. Zoom. They, yeah. they paid $23 million over Zoom? <laughs> no. <laughs> <Did> there, <laughs> Where's that? Like, that would be pretty
2: funny. The, the DODs on the Zoom, they're like, oh, is that our bank account number? Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Oh. Not
0: that again. You owe You're
3: us for the rockets.
2: So wait, John, one th- One more story we should cover, and you mentioned this at the beginning, was the uh, phones that are turned off
4: thing?
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, with uh, iPhones, um, if there's still some power, even if they're turned off, a lot of their uh, near-field communication is still enabled. And this actually makes sense. Like some people were talking about it as like, well, this just proves they're setting up dark back doors the government can gain access to. But the reality of the situation is they want to make the phones detectable um, even when the phone is off, so you can do find my phone and still be able to find your phone even if it's off. Which is um,
2: awesome as a user because I lose my phone all the time. It dies, and if it gets stolen, I can you know have Ralph go get the guy. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. It's on, actually a bounty, Ra- Ralph the bounty
0: hunter. On, <laughs> the, uh, <H>. um, <laughs> on the flip side, it turns out that the um, I think the chip that does that that keeps it going, you can actually load malware on that. Um, and we're coming up with a chip. chip. Is that, is that the chip? That? No, target? it's
2: the Bluetooth. It's one of the chips that enables Bluetooth. It says,
0: but, that, but it's Bluetooth, uh, Bluetooth Low Energy, and I can't remember what else. But they all share the same chip. Apparently, got gotcha. um, for that communication. They and,
4: also have the Ultra Wideband too, which is really what they use for the uh, Find My uh, iPhone feature. So that's like yeah. the yeah.
0: So this kind of leads me to kind of bring up, we have a shirt that we're coming out with. Hopefully we'll have some mock-ups. Um, it's called Malware Finds a Way, and it's a it's a, a Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mean from be-
2: last week? Oh, God. Yeah,
0: that, that's actually, Corey, you've got to see the mock-up. It's you It's great. I don't know if I want to see it now. <laughs> you don't want to see it. Keep it a surprise, because It's great. It's great. All right, so let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for coming. We greatly appreciate it. As always, as you say at the end of these videos, one, if you made it this far, thank you. Um, we really appreciate it. And also hit like and subscribe because something happens if you do that. I don't. <laughs> 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 I figured out how worth waiting. But uh, <laughs> i supposed to say like and subscribe. All right, thank you so much, everybody. Take
5: care.